Hello, and welcome to The Funny Thing About Yoga, where we talk all things yoga and maybe make you laugh a little bit. I'm Gianna Gambino. And I'm Bradshaw Wish. Enjoy the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I'm having so much fun. <laughs> you just end it. We never do it. <laughs> I know. Oh my god. Okay, we are recording. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the funny thing about yoga. I'm here with Gianna. Hello. Hi, everyone. I'm here as well. <laughs> um, we are. <laughs> That's it, everyone. Have a lovely day. It was great to see you. Uh, no, we are back with another episode of the funny thing about yoga. Gigi, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. As I admitted on the last episode that we put out, um, the, the one about money and auditions, I admitted that I come straight into these recording sessions from therapy. So, you know, this, that's a, that's a gamble. I could be really emotional or Mm -hmm. I can be all... I'm feeling composed today. That's how I'm doing. What about you? I'm feeling fine. I had a good morning. I taught to I taught one class. I was in it, loving it. And was then, it a yoga class or water aerobics class? I did water and then I taught a uh, water. I'm mean, sorry. I did a yoga and then I taught a water, water class. Okay. For those of you who do not know, Bradshaw Moonlights is a water aerobic. <laughs> I don't moonlight. I have one solid class every week. I used to have two. They just took one away and I'm really pissed. What does moonlight even mean? <laughs> um, I don't know, but when I think of I when I think of mooning, I think of just like showing your butt. Oh yeah. Remember that? Did you ever do that to anyone? Um have you ever mooned? I don't any- <laughs> I I honestly don't think so. No. <laughs> I don't. You don't strike I, me as someone who would moon. No, I, I, I've never mooned anyone. That wasn't my style. Okay. Well, because I was, I would moon you right now on this call. <laughs> I know. Do you want that's me like, to? That's literally tempting you with a good time. Listen, for those of you who don't know our dynamic, maybe you're new to this podcast. I feel like I'm constantly trying Naked. to. She's constantly trying to like inappropriate. No, I'm mooning. constantly. No, I'm constantly trying to to get Bradshaw away from me. Our very first retreat together, we shared a room. Big, big mistake. I soon found out that he doesn't pack pajamas and doesn't care who else. Gianna, is okay, okay, in okay, okay, okay. Let, let me. Okay, let me just tell everyone this. Okay, this is true. I am someone, and Gianna, you know this is true. Who is severely affected by heat. Like I cannot, <laughs> no, here's the thing. I can literally not deal with extreme heat. And it, it was so hot in Nicaragua a couple nights ago. I thought I was going to lose. A couple nights ago? <laughs> oh. I was there a couple nights ago. I didn't tell you. Um, no. Well, a couple we... years ago, it was so hot. I literally was like, okay, it, it, TMI, but it was so hot. I, like I would lay in bed and felt like my balls were in the other room. They were so dry. Okay. No one needs and to know they- this, but I love, I love that you have a great connection to your body. Okay. I have a great, and guess what? That's what yoga is about. It's about connection to your body. Okay. So shut the fuck up. (laughs) So Bradshaw called me before we started recording and he's like, I just have a lot to say today. The podcast is going to be great. He's like, I want to speak Spanish. I want to speak. (laughs) So let's hear it. A little bit of Spanish for everyone. Hola, me llamo Bradshaw. Me gusta nadar, corral y practico You, you say that word very interestingly. Say, say it again. Nadar. It's supposed no. to be nadar. It's supposed to be. I can't roll my R's. Can you roll your R's? <laughs> no, but I what? love. I love. Here, here's the thing that I really, really love. I love your confidence. This is going to actually somehow play into our conversation. <laughs> well, today. no, but here's, but here's also the thing, G. Is that like I can literally think I I think I can speak Spanish, but I yeah. actually can't. Yeah, I think. But I you can't. you know you've seen me when when I'm See, in. I'm I'm the opposite. I think I can't, but I probably can. <laughs> yeah, you hundred percent can. You can also speak German. Like Jenna's one of those friends. We're like, oh, you're so smart. It's kind of gross. It's kind of embarrassing. 
Um, but I speak that, German much better than Spanish. Like I can actually like, how do you say, how do you say, um, I met this boy last week. His name is Bradshaw and I fell in love with him. You know what? I'm not going to say that because I'd be wrong. I forgot how to say I met like past tense. But you can't speak it. No. Well, it's literally been a million years. But past tense in German is so hard because you have to put the verb at the end and then you have to have a specific, you have to like lead up. Well, what if you don't know what a verb is? (laughs) (laughs) I'm uh, for literally for a moment. I was like verbs. Hmm. (laughs) I can't even explain. Do you know what adjectives are? Yeah, they're descriptions. And I know what verbs are. It's something you do. It's an action. Okay. All right. I just didn't know if you were joking or not. Okay. English lesson. This is an English lesson. I'm actually not even that good at English. You know what? I learned more about English by learning a second language. It's like, oh yeah, we do conjugate words. I'm like, I didn't know like what anything was called. Okay. So you know what it reminds me of? What? I'm eating ice, everyone. When you say conjugate, it reminds me of conjugal visits that they have in jail where they have sex. Oh, okay. No. Oh, I, I didn't even know that was the thing. Yeah, You're that's allowed- why I want to go to jail because I'd be like, please come in, G. <laughs> He's so stupid. <laughs> okay. I'm like, I'm like, hey, my business partner is here for my contract. <laughs> you guys, we actually do have a really good conversation okay, but before for today that, on sequencing, but I do want to do a little bit of housekeeping. Do you mind? Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, do the housekeeping quickly. I want to go in order because we actually have a really special event coming up. If you are in Chicago, you're local, we're going to be doing a live podcast on October 20th at 6 p.m. That's a Friday evening at Zen Yoga Garage. That's a place where both Bradshaw and I teach. And it's going to be a really fun time because not only is it a class, so we're teaching, we're co-teaching a class together. And Melissa Toledo, who is a guest on the podcast, she's going to be uh, co-teaching with us. And then the three of us are podcasting together. And Melissa's definitely going to like moderate this conversation. It's going to be really, really interesting. We're going to talk about the student teacher paradigm shift. And the class that we have planned before the podcast is going to provide context for the conversation. So sign up if you're in town. It's going to be really, really fun. And while we podcast, we're opening it up to, you know, interaction. So if you want to get involved in the conversation, this is a great way to engage with us and we'd love to have you there. And then just briefly, because I don't want to sound like a broken record, we are going to Nicaragua in February of 2024. We have two spots for the retreat and then we have a couple of spots for our 200 hour training. So if you are someone who's been thinking about doing a 200 hour training, I can promise you our trainings are really high quality. We have graduated and certified with the yoga Alliance, a couple of teachers that teach all around Chicago. And, you know, some of them have more classes than me. I'm like, how did that happen? How did, <laughs> how did that happen? But I, it happened because I left for a year. Um, but anyway, so that's happening February, uh, March, 2024. So March 2nd through the 10th, go on our website, kayayogaschool.com slash Nicaragua. And if you have questions, please DM us, let us know. And then way into the future, we're going to Starved Rock next summer. So that's also on our website under the retreat section. Join us for like a weekend of camping. So that's it in a nutshell. And then Bradshaw, did you want to remind people to- um, You can submit questions on our website or if you're lazy and you follow me on my Instagram, which you probably do because I'm so funny, um, (laughs) you you can slide into my DMs or Gianna's DMs and we will read the question. But yeah, we like the podcast DMs. Uh, but I like that. I like having the audio because it's just fun to hear people's people talk about how much they love us. Yeah. And if for any reason you have an issue uploading it, just send us a message. You could you could email yeah. it to us. We'll give you the information. So we want to feature your questions. We do those episodes once a month and we're preparing to record our next one. So that is that. The next one is going to spe- specifically one of the questions we got, which I love, is when you have gonorrhea, can you practice? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Imagine. And speaking from experience, uh, it's not the most comfortable, you know, but you can. 
Oh and don't forget goodness. to rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> love, love how that's added you like, in there. Because, yeah, like Honoria is pretty much like that's pretty much writing a review. No, almost. yeah. Honestly, the the reviews are coming in. We're having our giveaway, the T-shirt giveaway. So get those reviews in by the end of November. Re- I love to read them. You guys are so kind. And you know what people say, Bradshaw? And I think this like little gonorrhea tidbit plays into it. It's like we keep things really real. And it's just like feels like. I love hearing the feedback that people are like, oh, I can relate to that yoga teacher because well, and I bet you can have- pro- some of you can probably relate to having gonorrhea. Okay. <laughs> and if there's no shame in having an STI, I'm not, I'm not STI shaming or kink shaming or slut shaming. Well, no, I have had gonorrhea. Okay. I, 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 I want the world to know. Okay. I'm admitting it. I've had gonorrhea you- one time. It was one All of right. the first times I had, in- this is actually okay. true. I don't want to hear anymore. I don't want to silence you, but I think we need to get on track. I'm sorry that you had gonorrhea once. And I'm sorry that I still have discharge. Let's go to the next topic. (laughs) It's so disgusting. That is actually the word discharge is just, but you also taught me recently that vaginas are self-cleaning. I did. We educated by we, I mean, me and a group of women on a retreat educated fresh about vaginas and he couldn't, he couldn't even handle it. But I, you didn't think, you like, didn't think it was gross. You just no, like, no, didn't no, like I've never been, no, no, I've never been like, I've, I, and I've, I've said this to you many times. I'm not like one of those gay people, gay men who say, ew, vaginas. I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. But that's, that's a vagina. That's cool. But I'm not like, um, women are superheroes. We can, yeah, but like you literally, it's literally like you have your own laundry service downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> it just is another it's so dumb it's just another uh, laundry is it's a laundromat <laughs> it's a laundromat in between your legs um okay. yeah men are the worst okay let's literally move on because i think i want to have another podcast that talks about gonorrhea so oh my god let's no get for started. real for real for real for real for real we're talking about sequencing and I know that like, it, <laughs> I can't it, believe that we literally go I know. from gonorrhea. No, so from I, that's gonorrhea, exactly and that's how our, say. that's our teacher training. The first, the first chapter of our teacher training is about gonorrhea. <laughs> and then the second chapter <laughs> is about sequencing. I like want to edit all this out, but and I'm like, we, I just, no, 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 no. We got to keep it. it. Wouldn't it be so funny if you had a yoga manual and like, it was just like, <laughs> no, no, it was just, it was just like an S and it was like, just, just about S it was like, um, gonorrhea and then sequencing and then. Can you um, get herpes your a- and then uh... no, no. <laughs> can you get your ADD in check, please? Because yeah, okay. Let's take a need... deep breath. Let's take let's take a deep breath. One, two, okay. three. In through the nose. Big open mouth side. Let's go. Ooh. All right, everyone, and welcome back to the funny thing about yoga. <laughs> uh, no, we are talking. Okay, we really have to leave that topic yet. alone. We are talking about sequencing today. And uh, I feel like this is a top, this is such a broad topic. So Gianna and I aren't going to get too, too specific, but we just want to talk about some general, general things in terms of sequencing that we incorporate into uh, our classes and things that we really think about. And I think that this is really important for teachers. I feel like this is one of the really like new teachers ask me about sequencing a lot. Yeah. And I think that, um, for me, like I thought my, my yoga training, my first 200 hour did a a little bit to help me sequence. And they provided us with one sequence, like a template that we learned to teach and taught. And then we were also taught to kind of follow a certain structure. And, but I don't know that all trainings do that. And I know you and I, in the trainings we lead, like it's influenced us to like, make sure that we give our students a blueprint on how to walk away from this training, feeling competent and confident in their Mm. sequencing. Because, Mm. um, I know for a while, even though I was taught a certain way, I just felt like maybe I would wing things a lot and it's okay to wing things still to this day. I can like wing it and I could still teach a good class, but it, I, think I also it does... think that you're better at winging it because you've been teaching for so long. Yeah. And because I understand the sequencing blueprint so mm. well. And so yeah. I think winging it when you don't have like a format template or outline, it can be chaotic and, and maybe that translates to the students too. Maybe you can do it with grace and you just have that gift of uh, like choreography. A lot of people in the dancer world maybe can kind of tie it together, but I don't think I was one of those people who at the very beginning did a great job sequencing for something specific. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. And do you, what about you? Did your 200 hour provide you with like a lot of sequencing knowledge? Honestly, I, maybe a little bit, but it's nothing that sticks out mm-hmm. at all. I really, I really learned how to sequence well uh, when I did my 500 hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the reason that I wanted to bring up this topic, especially for newer teachers and also for teachers going to be maybe teaching for a while is being prepared and having some kind of blueprint, like you're saying, in terms of what you're going to provide and in, in class is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, no, I don't think that I got a really good foundation. I think it's also hard to get a really, really strong foundation. And again, not to toot our own horns, but Gian and I, for our 200 hour, we have a specific sequence that we teach to our students. And I think uh, to our teachers to be, uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's a really, really good thing to have uh, because you leave having a sequence that you can teach to the general public. Mm-hmm. I wish I had something like that when I did my 200 hour and I did not. Mm-hmm. And there's so much that so much more to sequencing than than you'll even ever learn in the first mm-hmm. 200 hour. And there's ways to get like creative. There's way there's different you can sequence to a theme that's more mental emotional you can sequence to a peak pose you can sequence for a full body you can Mm -hmm. sequence to an area of the body so there's so many different ways to play with it and I don't I agree with you I don't think I utilized all of the different ways that you can sequence almost like to tell a story until Mm. I did my 500 hour yeah. I think I I think I sequenced like a pretty well-rounded good class in the first couple of years of my teaching after 200 hour, but I don't think I like advanced to like teach to specifics. If that makes I don't sense. think I did teach good sequencing the first three or four years of teaching, maybe five. it's it's funny because I don't remember exactly, but I also remember all of like the students that I that would follow my classes in the beginning years and like the compliments I would get. And so I don't know, like my brain now, if I were to go take my own class, maybe I would cringe a little bit. I don't, I can't, I don't know how I would be, but I do know like, Oh, well it did resonate with someone at some time. And it did. For sure. Well, you yeah, know? you can't, you, I, I'm not, I don't look back and I'm like, Oh, I was a horrible teacher. I was the worst, but I do look back and I'm like, the sequencing was not good. Hmm. Because I think also too, Gianna, you and I are very different in so many ways, but the way in which we do prep for things is mm-hmm. different. And like the way we do things, like, you know, I have really bad ADD and I feel like without the structure, it was, my class was very ADD. There was a mm-hmm. lot of like ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. Like it wasn't a steady yeah. progression. It was like all over the place. And I would get feedback that it was like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and again, I've learned a lot from that and it's all good. I know like, no, I don't think anyone should like as a teacher look back and be like, Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. It's like, we do things with what we know and then we learn from there. Yeah. I think we should talk a little bit about like why sequencing is important, not just for the teacher, but also for the mm-hmm. student. Yeah. So I'll speak from the student perspective and then you could teach, mm-hmm. talk about the teacher's I can perspective. Teach. I'll teach. Can I, have teach. A, I, have a, I actually planned a class. The sequencing is really good. <laughs> No, I think as a student, I have experienced classes that were so well sequenced that Mm. it really prepared my body to do things that I didn't think that I can do. Yeah. Like, even if it's like a, let's just say a bind and a twist or something Mm -hmm. like if that's my first twist, there's no way I'm binding. But if you're warming up my shoulders, you're lengthening the back muscles, you're, you know, whatever the lunges or the variation you're preparing the hips then. And it leads up to that thing like, Oh, I can do this, but I can't do it just cold that first time. Mm -hmm. I also think I've learned as a student, like I really like repetition, like the more you get to do something, especially if you're sequencing for like a peak pose, the more my body is able to like ease into it. And, and Mm -hmm. so I've seen my practice advance and deepen with intelligent sequence, just in terms of the physical stuff. Yeah. And so, so 
you want, you want your students to feel prepared and warmed up for some of the bigger shapes that maybe you'll include at, at a later time in your sequence. So having like a story, a beginning, middle and end that all the characters play a role and a part in the story you're trying to tell um, really helps students have that embodied feeling of like, okay, like I can actually access a part of something that maybe I couldn't otherwise. Mm-hmm. And then from the teacher's perspective, what do you think? I know I kind of said some things that carry over. Yeah, I think that from the teacher's perspective, this is where we really get into the difference of teaching and instructing. And I think that like when you're teaching something like peeking to a posture or focusing on an area of the body, there's a level of education that you're providing to the student. And I think that that is a really uh, important thing. And I think people like me who have ADD, that having structure is really beneficial. And having an idea of where you're going is a way to keep you on track. Now, that's also not to say that sometimes you go into a room, you had something planned and you're like, this maybe isn't the level, this isn't the group of people. So you always have to be able to scale within that. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have a a draft essentially of like what you're going to provide and you have to be able to um, take it in different directions depending on the room. Yeah, improvising Mm. is a key tool Mm -hmm. you know you don't need to improvise a hundred percent I think that's where maybe the chaos could come in but having you know the draft like you said and then the ability and the skill to be able to adjust your plan on the fly that Mm. comes with time but I also wanted to add because I think you're you're absolutely right like teaching versus instructing something that resonates with me just from the teacher perspective as well to add on is um how can we help students learn something if they don't know what you're trying to teach them Mm -hmm. so so you want to be really clear about your intentions with Mm -hmm. teaching and when you're clear and you lay out like you know, I know Bradshaw, you do this a lot today. I am going to be doing a lot of backbends and we'll open up the front mm-hmm. of the hips and we'll lengthen this and we'll strengthen this and such and such, you know, like you kind of mm-hmm. do that before your classes and that already, um, provides context. So students are going into the class and they know, okay, this is what we're trying to do. And I'm going to yeah. focus on a little bit of this thing when we get there. And I think just no having a foundation around that whether you say it or not, I'm not saying you must say what you're doing before Mm -hmm. class. I'm just saying when it feels so obvious, like you're in a flow and you're like, oh, this is definitely focused on twists. Like we, you know, we, we started with the, you know, a recline twist or a seated twist. And now we're building up to like an anjaneyasana twist or a a high lunge twist, you know, like it, when it just starts to make sense, then all of a sudden, oh, we're in side curl. You're like, oh yeah. Like I'm, you you see the, you, you see, see the, the pieces progress- of the puzzle. You see yeah, the pieces yeah. of the puzzle like put together. Exactly. And you see the progression and then you you realize, oh, so this teacher is trying to teach me to twist and mm-hmm. like and how to do it. And so it becomes really intentional. And I think that's what we're getting at is like the having intention with your teaching and not just throwing it to the wind and hoping something sticks. Can I can I I want to come back to something uh that I had mentioned, like a lot of new teachers ask about sequencing. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I want to make sure to get this point across because I really want people to hear this that are starting to teach. When you're just starting to teach a class, don't change the sequence every class. Mm-hmm. Teach a pretty very, like for, I would say 80% of the class should stay the same the first year or so that you teach, at least. So you have that, in your back pocket as a sequence that you can use and vary a little bit here and there. But like, if you're just starting to get your feet wet and you're nervous about teaching already, having a different class every single time is is not, in my opinion, is not the answer. I agree um, with you. And so, and I think the reason that this came into mind was intention. And that's intentional. You're intentionally 
like teaching a specific class that you know you do very well, that you can change a little bit of here and there. And so you're going in with your intention of what you're doing already. And you, you're you prepared to do that thing. Because you may think, oh my God, I want to teach a new class every single time I go. You're going to get overwhelmed. <laughs> There's no doubt. Not only overwhelmed, but I think you're increasing your chance for like error. Error. Not only in um just like fumbling cues or, 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 or maybe even just like sequencing order, maybe you're doing bigger shapes first. And, and, Mm. you know, like, I think what you're saying is such good advice because it really allows time and space for newer teachers to actually hone in on the craft of teaching without the added pressure of having to be unique, new, creative, inspiring, Mm -hmm. and such and such. Here's the thing. Just get through the class. Just teach the the class. Yeah. In the beginning, you may just be focused on like memorizing the sequence and the order of things. Or the breath. And then once, once that's committed to memory, then you can ease up on the actual sequence. And now you could actually start to look at your students and see how different bodies move in space. You can change up your cues. So even though the sequence is the same, doesn't mean you're on autopilot reading Mm -hmm. a script. You might cue things differently depending on the people that are in front of you. You yeah. might change the way you may change engage. the arm variation. You may do yeah. like warrior one and like you do eagle arms at the, in the warrior one in the first class, the second class, you do a bind behind the back, like, but generally you're keeping the structure the same. Yes. Yeah, so that there's little things that you can vary. And here's the other, it's the note. 80, it's the 80, 20 rule. As Have if- we talked about this? 80% the same, 20% yeah, and then, vary. Yeah. No, we didn't, but I think you just laid it out. Keep at least 80% the same. I even I would even say when if you're super new, super green, just 90%. 90%. Even 100% is fine because it takes a while to just get out of your head with like what's next. Like don't even worry about what's next. Like do this thing so much, like I said, that it is ingrained in you. So you don't have to think of what's next. If you're always changing to new, 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 you're always going to live in that like anxiety of what's next with, and you're never going to like see your students and be present to what's going on and be able to like advance your cueing. And the way you hold space, because you're just going to be like, oh, God, what would I just do on the left side or right side? I need it on the left and da, 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 da. Like you want to limit your teacher error as much as you can too. So and that's also why we suggest being prepared. The more you do something, the more prepared you're going to be. You're going to know what what come, what goes in what order, what you did on the right, what you did on the left. And that's just more the probability of you being more accurate is going to be higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at the end of the day, all people want to do is move and breathe. And so like that, that that's, as long as you're doing that, that's like, especially when you first start teaching, that's good. And also you you know, it's the same, mm-hmm. but not they everyone, don't they don't know if it's the same, even if the same student came to your class, you know, twice that week, they might recognize it's familiar. Mm-hmm. They might not know it's exactly the same like no one remembers it the way you remember it yeah yeah and if they do they're coming to your class too much um (laughs) (laughs) and on that note also I think that I keep my sequencing the same for longer even than you G and like you vary it up more than I do where I don't vary it up as much as you do and right now I'm just subbing so I'm not sequencing the same way at all yeah yeah, but I we think that even when you were teaching, but when when you were when you were in the city, like I was pretty like, yeah. I I keep everything pretty much the same for four weeks or three yeah. to four weeks. I mean, like, and it's very much the same. And I've had the most attendance I've ever had mm-hmm. because also people know what to expect, and you can gauge the learning process. Mm-hmm. So if you teach crow to someone for sixty minutes one time, they're not going to learn how to do crow. Yeah, but if they come twice a week. And they take a very similar class eight times. So like two times a week for a month, they're going to, the the experience is going to be much different and they're able to gauge their growth mm-hmm. in their practice. And that is a really good thing. Yeah. And I think um, I've talked about this 
a little bit on our Substack, which is our um, podcast newsletter. And if you're interested in reading more about behind the scenes and personal stuff that I that I write, you could register for that on our website. It's um, under the podcast section. But what I was said on there is um, I've been subbing right now since moving back to Chicago. I'm not, I don't have the most full permanent schedule yet. I'm still waiting for those classes to become available and to get to get some offers in, but um, <laughs> it sounds weird saying it like that, but I am subbing a lot. I'm subbing at least like seven classes a week in addition to whatever mm. I do have on the schedule. And it's really a strange role for me to be in right now to not have permanent classes where I can build consistency with my student base, where I'm just kind of like hopping in for this like one-off class. And I know people, a lot of people, I don't want to be, um, presumptuous, but I know a lot of people might just want to have, get out of their mind and body for a few, for an hour, you know, they might not Mm -hmm. be expecting much more than that, but I'm like a a very intentional teacher. I'm like, Oh, well, I want to teach this thing. But like the other day I was subbing a two, three and teaching flying pigeon. I'm like, well, of course not everyone is going to piece this together in one 60 minute class. Like this is why doing what Brad just said. Yeah is so helpful. Like that's a very challenging pose. It took me years and years to even attempt. And so, you know, my expectations when teaching that is not that everyone is going to like let their pigeon fly in that class, but it's just start to build to that thing to connect the dots. Like Brad just said, kind of put all the puzzle pieces together, be like, Oh, I get it. Like, this is kind of where we're going. But from Mm -hmm. the student perspective, I can see how, um, defeating it would feel if you just tried something once and never again Mm -hmm. and like you're like oh well that was too hard I can't do it rather than be like oh nope Mm -hmm. we're gonna do this again and then we're gonna do it again and then we're gonna do it again because with repetition that is how you build that's how you learn yeah that's how you learn and that's how you build the embodied experience and you start Mm to um gain proprioceptive awareness like your awareness of how your body moves in space and how you know the body can move into different shapes so yeah were you gonna add something yeah I was gonna add that uh the importance of simplicity for me you know for me personally is like not doing too many things on one side not overcomplicating things that's helpful for me and I've been teaching for a decade for Mm -hmm. new teachers I think it's essential I agree I really do I think it is essential creating sequences where you're doing a thousand things on one side, you're turning to the front of the mat to the back of the mat, doing this, doing that. You're it, 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 it's not, it, the classes tends to be convoluted. It tends to be messy. Um, keep it simple. Simplicity is powerful. Simplicity is good. You can teach how to be nuanced in simple postures. Um, so if you're a new teacher, my advice to you not only have a sequence where you're prepared to teach it, have the sequence be simple. I would agree with that. I used to feel this insane pressure from myself <clears throat> to be the most creative. The I most feel like that's, I feel like that happens with all new teachers. With the most creative, the most unique. I mm. literally remember one time I was like, I showed up early and I was preparing my sequence. Like, I think I showed up an hour beforehand And I literally said to myself, I can't teach dancer pose. I taught it in the class on Tuesday and it was like Thursday. And I'm like, what? Why wouldn't I not be able to teach dancer pose again? I don't care that I did it Tuesday. Who knows who's showing up to this class? But that was like a legit thought. I was like, oh, no, no, no. I already did dancer's pose on Tuesday. It's Thursday now. And I think that's, yeah, that's just like an insane thought process. Like we do warriors any of the warriors in almost every class we do lunges in almost every class we do forward folds in every class so not only that but like look at the most popular styles of yoga Mm -hmm. and that is a bikram or hot yoga or whatever you prefer to call it and um ashtanga Ashtanga. those are always doing the same the same sequence they're the most popular styles of yoga so like doing the same sequence for one month is not a big deal. And then new- I want to add, okay. I yeah. agree. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's not a big deal. You're right. Did you, were you going to say something else? I, I got really excited. No, about where I'm just you were like, going. 
No, I'm just like for new, like this is, again, this is for me, this is a, like, if you're listening to this and you're a new teacher, please take this away. <laughs> like take, take, go away with this. Cause I can't tell you the amount of teachers that come up to me that say the exact thing that Gianna just said, mm -hmm. the exact thing. And so what, to your point and what I got excited about is not only uh, is both are both Bikram and Ashtanga super popular and commercially successful. Mm -hmm. They're also simple in the sequencing. And I just want to yeah. say that simple doesn't mean easy. Look at the Ashtanga sequence. They do like a pose of vinyasa, a pose of vinyasa, a pose of vinyasa. They're not linking a thousand poses together and turning yeah. 180 degrees around the mat. Yes, they do go from the front to the back, especially in, you know, the foundations, but it's, um, it's, it's still simple. It's just from the front to the back or mm -hmm. just one pose vinyasa, one pose yeah. vinyasa. And so, so simple, so simple. Yeah. And I think there's, um, more chance just to go back to teacher error error if you I don't know why I always feel like I have to stu stutter when I say error <laughs> there's more there's a higher probability of like forgetting something if you're linking 10 poses on one side not mm. just will you feel like almost like you're talking so much and and you might forget something you did on one side, but also you're kind of overloading the students. That's just a lot for them to do, especially if, if you're, you're doing things. Yeah. yeah. Especially if it's something that's confused. like activating the glutes a lot mm. like that, that stuff kills me. Like if you mm. do like high lunge to twisted lunge to standing split to warrior mm. three back to a lot, like, I'm like, okay, my glute is actually wanting to yeah, kill me yeah. to, you know, so you want people to move through your sequence with integrity and with, you know, their full strength. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to snowball through things just to get through it. And I, and yeah. I like the image of a snowball. Cause it just like, you know, when you, you start as a small little ball and then it just becomes like this big messy thing rolling down a hill. Are you talking about me? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like that. I feel like I get so fatigued when I'm overloaded. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think, I think these are all really good tips, but really this conversation that we wanted to have is just to talk about how important it is to sequence intentionally. And, mm. um, I kind of want to recap some of the tips we just gave so it could be in a nice little package. Mm -hmm. So, Sequencing. Also, I just want to add one more thing, which is yeah. Gianna and I also have a really good online program, uh, like a teacher development program that has a lot of this information online. You can take it at your own pace. So um, if that's something you're interested in, let us know. There's a huge, there's a big portion of it on sequencing, which will really delve much deeper into these points. Yes. And we, we one-on-one -on -one mentor during that mm -hmm. portion of sequencing, because it is like some of our, it is like our favorite thing to do, mm -hmm. right? It is something also, I think you and I are very good at. I do. Yesterday, just for example, I was covering a class and someone said to me, they didn't realize there was a cover. And you know, when someone gets like a disappointed, they were not mm -hmm. disappointed by any means. Mm -hmm. They're like, they were like, oh, I've, I've been so excited because so-and-so has been sequencing for handstand. And I had a different class plan, but I was like, oh, you want to sequence for handstand? My pleasure. And just like kind of on the fly, yeah, yeah. used my template. And I had so much fun doing that. Be like, oh, this is what they've been doing. And this mm -hmm. is what you were anticipating. I can do that. And, well, and then it's more of a plug and play when you have a structure of how of the, you, you're like, okay, that gets even more into sequencing. We get yeah, like in terms yeah. of the template, but yeah, the, yes, it becomes much easier. Well, so yeah. what are, what were our, our main points? Okay, so sequencing is equally as important for the teacher and the student. Mm -hmm. For the teacher, it helps be intentional and make it clear what it is that you're actually trying to teach, almost like a lesson plan. You're showing up, you're giving that lesson plan, students know what they're mm -hmm. learning. For the student, it helps them prepare their bodies and it takes them through a little journey into whatever it is. And and it, this, this goes beyond just peak pose. Like you are leading you're them- through a story that you're telling with your sequencing. Which also educates them mm -hmm. on how they move and how they breathe. So there's that educational aspect for the student as well. Exactly. So having a plan, being intentional about the plan is equally as important 
for student and teacher. And then a little like sub point in that point is because we're talking about it being a story, make sure it has the beginning, middle and end, like follow the bell curve, mm -hmm. so to speak of actually sequencing your class. And we didn't really dive too deep into this. This is something we could dive deeper into in our mentorship. But, but if you follow a general bell curve of like warming up, preparing the body, and then your more flowy stuff, and then your cool down and finally leading into the rest, that's a good, simple, you know, arcing structure to follow. So, so make it be a story. Let all of the poses that you choose be characters that help build up to the narrative in that story. So that's, that's kind of the, the sub point on there. Mm -hmm. And then we had talked about the importance of simplicity, not overcomplicating things, keeping it super clear and concise so that, you know, you can not only up your own, you know, teaching skill and your cues and kind of commit things to your own uh, memory. Memory. And and all of that, but you're also allowing your students to practice with integrity. So that's, that's a point. And then another point, a piece of advice you gave is that about consistency, keeping your class the same. We could, yeah. we can reemphasize the 80, 20 rule. If you're a new teacher, don't even worry about 80, 20, do, do 90, 90, 10 or a hundred percent. If you're very, very new consistency is key. It's key for you to feel more comfortable as a teacher leading a class and to actually be able to hone in on the other skills of teaching, the actual um, uh, observing, observing this, the skill of observation, the skill of maybe needing to improvise on the fly if things are either too challenging or um, not engaging enough, you know, that's something where you might want to improvise around. And then also the skill of just, um, confidence and like honing in on your personality and showing a little bit more of like, what makes you, you like, you can do that with more confidence and a little, with a little bit more ease. If you're keeping the sequence consistent, you're just like kind of eliminating one variable so that you can focus on the others. Mm -hmm. I, I, but a very one variable that also can be very overwhelming when you first start teaching, um, you know, so eliminating that very like the, the variable of like crazy sequencing or it has to be different every time will really, really help you feel your feet on the ground, I think. I agree. So those did I miss anything? I think those were our main like pieces of advice or things that we wanted to talk about today, because I think sequencing is so important. It's like so much of what we do mm -hmm. as yoga teachers, but I want to really emphasize how important it is for your students. They're going to be able to be better students if they know what they're trying to learn. They're going to be able to connect deeper to their body and their breath. If there's direction in the sequence and the flow that actually yeah. makes sense, they're going to be able to maybe achieve advanced asana or, you know, postures, maybe, and that's not like the whole goal, the goal, but like, yeah, maybe yeah. that's like a side thing that happens because they're or not. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm no. Trying no. Not to... I just, I or love... just ref refine their, the postures they do all of the time. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to, it can be like a war. Like they, they learn something new about warrior one because of the way that you teach it or the way that you cue it. Like um, that, I think that, that, that there's, there should really be for me, some educational value to the experience. Mm -hmm. You like yeah. something, something that they learn about their mm -hmm. physical body, it, the way that I teach. And maybe, maybe for other teachers, it's not physical. Maybe they learn something that's more on the emotional side. Maybe mm -hmm. they learn about ahimsa or maybe, you know, they learn about one of the limbs of yoga outside of asana, you know, that you can kind of weave into class, but there should be some kind of educational value mm -hmm. to the experience. Yeah. And just I a think. small, I agree with you in a small example, because I know that the asana practice is physical. And so when we sequence, we're sequencing for physical things, but there are ways to sequence for the mental and emotional. That's and spiritual. a whole, that could be part That's two. a whole other podcast. And it, again, <laughs> we talk about this in our mentorship, but I just want to give a small example because I talked about how I sequence for handstand on the fly. Mm -hmm. This was not a two, three class that I did this in. This is just regular, all levels. And I obviously knew that 
maybe only a small portion of the class would be able to be on their hands even for just five seconds or less. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I saw people being confronted with the challenge. So just, I want to remind teachers out there that presenting physical challenges is a way to show people how they can confront stress in a regulated environment. And I think this is something that Jason Crandall talks about a lot, especially he did with us in our 300 hour training, but that though it's focused on the physical, it does have spiritual, mental, and emotional benefits. People are confronted with their own inner monologue, negative self-talk. Like Bradshaw said, maybe you do start thinking about ahimsa, like Mm. be kind to yourself. Don't commit an act of like harm against your own uh, integrity, your own body, your own mind, your own ego. You know, I think, sorry, I'm clearing my throat a lot. I actually need some water, but I do think that these are important points just to note on. And if you are curious to learn more without trying to be super like promotional, we're just kind of out of time, check out our mentorship on our website. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So let's play, um, cancel, commit, explore with sequencing. Would you rather, okay. These are the three things, a sequence with like absolutely no direction. So you're, you're the student you're taking a class, no direction. You're up, you're down, you're front to the back. It's random. It's this, it's that, that kind of sequence. Or let's just choose the Ashtanga sequence. Cause I know how you feel about that. And then the third one, do you have a third one? It's... Bikram sequence. No. Okay, fine. No. Okay, fine. I would... I don't like any of those things. (laughs) I'm going to commit to Ashtanga. I would commit to Ashtanga too, even though I I just went into the mariachis. The (laughs) The mariachis is is, uh, the Marichasana. Yeah, I wouldn't. You don't even like Matsyandrasana. You don't like Matsyandrasana or Marichasana. I hate them all. I hate them all. So, um, but I think it's a a solid sequence. And and you also don't like binding. You also, do you even like folding? I well, honestly, no, because like yoga. (laughs) No, the folding can no no the repetitiveness of it can irritate my SI joint, as you know. So I do have to be careful. Um, and I would cancel the first one. Yeah. And then I guess I would commit to Bikram. Same. We're on the same page. I I, never, I never want to admit that I'd commit to Bikram, but there wasn't a time in life, but I did. We don't like Bikram as a person. Yeah. We're not. Yeah. yeah, We're not endorsing him. We shouldn't even call it Bikram. We should just call it the hot 26 or something. Okay. What's the funny thing about yoga? Okay. I think the funny thing about yoga for me this week is a story I have as me as a student. I took a class the other day and I am very particular. If, if you didn't get. That's one memo, way. Of, that's a very kind way of putting it. I'm a himsa. I'm being kind. She's neurotic. <laughs> She's I'm psychopathic, neurotic. psychopathic, neurotic. Keep going. I like things a specific way. And once things are in order. I really do think that you might be a little autistic. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I'm serious. I'm going to keep going. Okay. I like, (laughs) I don't need to be diagnosed by my business partner while I'm trying to tell a funny story. (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, No, but honestly, when I do see those like TikToks or uh, Instagrams where it's like signs, you might be autistic. I'm like, "Mm, okay, I do sleep like that. Okay. Anyway, I'm in the yoga room. I set up my mat. I'm like in the corner. I like to be back corner away from everyone. I don't want anyone to look at me while I practice and whatever, especially if I'm going to like, oh, I might want to play with handstands. I just don't want to be front and center. But I did want to see myself in the mirror a little bit. And so the way we have the mirrors in the studio is that it's not full length mirrors. They're just like little rectangle mirrors. So there's spaces between it. And so I found a spot. It was a crowded class. I could see myself a little bit, whatever. I'm in the back corner. Class starts. I'm glad. I'm glad that I have enough space around me. I hate when it's mat to mat. Class starts. It's a full class. Um, and I'm sitting there breathing eyes closed. We're doing some box breathing and someone rolls in like the class already started like two or three minutes after the hour. Now this person is like three minutes into that. So maybe like six or seven minutes late at this point. 
and I get a tap on the shoulder. And as soon as I open my eyes, like a little bit startled, this person just starts rolling out their mat in a non-existent space. Like, like there was no room for a mat between mine and my neighbors. So she just like, didn't give us a choice, but to stop practicing and move. And I was very, very irritated. I was so irritated because I'm like, I'm trying so hard to just breathe and stop being neurotic. And then this is like the one hour of my day that I made myself go and like, stop being neurotic literally. And now you made me neurotic because I thought that things were a certain way. And then I missed all the breathing. I missed the meditative component at the beginning. And I was like, just trying to like find a new comfortable spot where I could still see myself in the mirror. And I couldn't, I could not see myself in the mirror anymore. It doesn't matter. I'll be fine. But I found myself like cursing her out in my head, like literally being like so mad at her, like to the point where I had a laugh at my own ego. It's like, okay, you're literally at a yoga mm-hmm. class to chill the fuck out. You need to chill the fuck out. Mm-hmm. But I went through like this mental gymnastics of being so mad and taken out of my practice. And like, I think rightfully so in a sense, but I also, because I have like no tolerance lately, I looked at her. Like when, when she startled me and I said, I don't remember my words verbatim, but I was like, I was like, this is so rude to come in this late and take away from my practice. Mm-hmm. And she didn't give a shit. Her mat was already rolled on top of mine. I was like, oh God. And so it like kind of fueled my fire a little bit, but I will say, so the funny thing was my own ego being confronted with that. And it's not funny, haha, but it's like, I have to laugh at myself when I get so neurotic. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. this is actually like borderline. You have to chill out. Mm -hmm. But then later on in the practice, she had the great spot in front of the mirror. Now I'm literally against a brick (laughs) wall with like door garage door mechanics in my face which I don't want that spot. I didn't choose that spot intentionally, but we were doing tree pose. And I just see, I look over to her because she's legit belly dancing in tree pose. (laughs) And she's staring at herself in the mirrors and she's just wiggling and writhing around. And I just kind of laughed to myself and I was like, okay, she's, she's cool. She's cool. (laughs) She's She's living her life. That's literally what I thought. It's like, okay, I got so mad. I was like, well, this girl is like, she's not sweating and she's on another planet. She's living her life. And it just kind of brought like brought a little moment of joy back to it. It's like, oh, she is belly dancing. And I don't know uh, who you are, but if you are listening to this, just know you really, really challenged really me. Got, Men- you really you challenged me skin. mentally. I hate when people are late as a teacher. I think I I think I hate when I, when people are late as a teacher because I know this experience I have as a student. It's so yeah. distracting to me. But I apologize. I'm it's it, my own neuroses. It is, and you have a lot of them. But um, don't come on. Can you just no, back absurd. me up for a minute? Absurd. Like you shouldn't be asking people. Okay. To well, I have a funny thing that's related to this. Is when literally, okay, literally, there was someone who came into my class twenty minutes late the other day. Twenty minutes. That's and absurd. Well, it's absurd, but it was funny because it's like they just rolled in. No big deal, taking their time. And I'm just thinking to myself, and they 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 weren't, it was a yin class too. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, they weren't, you know, they weren't distracted. They, but like I was just like, what are you getting out of this for for a half an hour? Yeah. I mean, like yeah. it's you can't like I don't know. I like I agree. It's like you're gonna, <laughs> especially in yin where poses are like five minute holds, like what are you getting? Three poses? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, that doesn't maybe yeah. two poses. I don't know. Um yeah. There, we do have a whole episode on etiquette and I, now I just thought of another story, but I'm going to save it for next week of literally what happened in my class yesterday, which was not a funny thing. haha. but it's like the audacity. So we'll talk about that next week. All right, everyone. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. We have retreats coming up. We have trainings coming up, 200 hour training that's coming up. The event at Zen, October the event is 20th. Zen, October 20th. There's and if you don't, so many different ways to connect. So many different ways. And here's the thing you should get tested for gonorrhea if you're sexually active. I hope you have a wonderful <laughs> day and goodbye. So he's got a car that don't impress me much. So yeah, got the looks, what have you, got the touch, don't get me wrong, yeah, I think you're all right.